0: We're getting you ready for the game on The Build Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey.
1: All right, everybody, and welcome to The Build Up as we get you ready for Sharks hockey against the Avalanche tonight from the Tank. Of course, the Avs are a bit of a beast right now. They are tops in the West. 43 wins, 13 losses, 91 points. They are 6-3-1 in their last 10. They are 19-10-2 on the road. Uh, this is going to be a tough, tough challenge for the Sharks, and I'm really curious to see what they are now versus what they were when these two teams met earlier in the year. I believe when they played previously, either the Sharks had a lot of guys out on the COVID list still or were just getting guys back. And they did most definitely take it to San Jose by a final of 6-2. to But one of the things that I will continue to pay attention to this year is the Sharks do very much better the second time around against teams that kind of slap them around. We saw that with Pittsburgh. We saw that with Boston. We saw that with Tampa. Um, the list goes on. So I am very curious to see what the Sharks' response this time is against a Colorado team that took it to them 6-2 last time. And also, that was a different Sharks team than what they are now. Now, we will have Sachenko in net tonight. At least that was what Bob Bugner said last night. Uh, At this point, he has not talked to the media yet today. That's going to be happening later this afternoon, probably around 5, much later than when this was recorded. But for the Sharks on the second night of a away and home back-to-back and all those penalties they had to kill last night, I think the most important thing to do tonight is to make a concerted effort to stay out of the box, A, and B – play very very clean hockey even that means even if that means i should say a more conservative game and overall a little bit more of a you know just kind of pull things back in see exactly where things are going see exactly just how they can do to slow down Colorado's attack because this is a dangerous team. This is a high flying potent team and the Sharks need to not try and get into a track meet. They need to control the tempo. They need to slow things down, keep things on the outside and do what they can to create opportunities for themselves while not opening themselves up too much. And yes, this is all, I mean, I'm not saying anything that Bob Bugner probably isn't telling them themselves, but it's, you know, it's easier said than done because Colorado gets a little bit open and the Sharks want to try and quickly get it back the other end on a stretch pass and make something happen. I mean, you can get a little bit thin, and then suddenly Colorado can hurt you very, very badly very, very quickly. So that's what the Sharks are going up against tonight, but this time it's in the tank. I imagine that on a Friday night with restrictions being uh, reduced in Northern California, we're going to see another good and loud crowd. And I think the stage is set for the Sharks to have a much better performance than they did the last time around. And then, you know, the thing about the game last night against L.A. is the Sharks did not play a particularly bad game in any way, shape or form. The Sharks played a pretty good game. And as I said on Morning Tide, I thought that, you know, if the Sharks are in a position where they've only given up two goals going into the third that should be a quote-unquote winnable game. Unfortunately for the Sharks, their offensive shortcomings uh, hold them back in situations like that, and they're not able to capitalize, and they're not able to take advantage. But you know, the Sharks are coming off a good performance, relatively speaking, other than the penalties. And, you know, I think that they're going to want to get some revenge against this Colorado team. And for me, it's about absorbing that first period. Because the first period, the legs are going to be a little bit heavy on the second night of a back-to-back. You know that that's going to be a factor going into this game. And so the Sharks have got to particularly work on keeping things slow in that first period. Making sure that they do not just go down one nothing, 2 nothing, 3 nothing in the first. If that happens... Colorado's going to bury you under the avalanche. I know, bad joke. But, you know, I I do think that that's something they have to be aware of. Their legs are going to be a little bit sluggish in that first period. They've got to make sure they don't put themselves in a bad situation. They've got to make sure that they uh, do what they can to have a relatively close score going into the second and third periods, especially as their legs get more and more life as they get later and later into the game. To talk about the Avs and everything that's been going on with them and to give you a look at tonight's game, we are now joined by the radio play-by-play announcer of Colorado. It is Connor McGahee joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. Connor, what's going on, man? How are you doing today?
0: Ted, good to talk to you again. It's been, uh, been a long time. Hope you're well. It has
1: been, man. I am very well. I'm excited to see these two teams to battle again. And, you know, I, I look at the ABS, and it took a while to kind of get things rolling. I'm sure there's a bad joke about an avalanche and things snowball, and I can't, I can't make one <laughs> smart enough right now. But I, I know it's there somewhere. But, you know, it took a while for the ABS to get rolling this year. But now I look at what they are, and I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I thought they would be.
0: Yeah, I mean, they uh, I, I think four, nine, and one, or four or six and one, something like that, beg your pardon. Upside down nine. Um <laughs> to start things off. And then yeah, I mean things just started to click. Uh 150 and one in January, for example. Um, fastest avalanche team uh to ninety-one points in their history. Uh so they've been doing it along the way and doing it in, in many different fashions. But they're the first team, in the NHL to 30 wins, 40 wins. Uh, 80 points, 90 points, so, um, and that's with, I mean, some injuries, Nathan McKinnon um, has missed, you know, a good amount of time, mm-hmm. Landis has been out for a while, you had uh, some uh, some gaps in the blue line as well, so it, it has really shown that this team has remembered what's happened in the past couple of years, and wants to, to prove to everybody that they are one of, if not the best team in the National Hockey League.
1: So tell me about the different ways that this team is winning games because I often, you know, we see a lot of the highlights that some of the, you know, the high flyers on that team are, are capable of. But I, I've seen, you know, close wins, I've seen blowout wins, I've seen it with defense, and you know, it's it's a sign to me of a well balanced team, a team that probably will will do well come the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and whether it's it's not all McKinnon, Landeskog, and and um, you have probably the best defensive pair in the national hockey league and Kale McCarr and Devon Taves, the avalanche lead, um, all NHL defensemen with goals and points. Um, I mean, 181 points is a lot coming from your back end. And it used to be what I say used to be the first half of the season, which does seem like a long time ago that they were just outscoring everybody. I mean, they, they have seven games with seven goals and, uh, but more recently, they've been able to, to win close games and get their goaltending going. Both Pavel Francouz and Darcy Kemper um, have locked it in. Kemper is the first goaltender in franchise history to have back-to-back shutouts twice in a season. And he's done that. So, um, Pavel Francouz just signed a two-year extension last Saturday to stay with the Avalanche. And, I mean, they're as steady as they go. Um, Kemper breaking some of patrick Waugh's records Mm -hmm. which is not easy to do so uh, again it it was lack of goaltending lack of defense early i i feel like they were just outscoring teams and now they've switched to maybe try and play more playoff like hockey with more of a defensive approach and, and not necessarily rely on their goaltender but help their goaltender
1: I got to ask you about Kale McCarr for a second because I probably should have called you at the time. But the goal he scored earlier this year, because we, we, you know, there had been some highlight goals at that stretch of the season. And to me, McCarr drops that complete you know, forward momentum stops on a dime spins. I mean that to me, that's better than anything we've seen from McDavid this year, just because the complete change of direction did, I mean, did you almost lose it in your call? Because it's such a, I mean, I don't think I've any ever seen something specifically like that. I've seen dangles. I've seen incredible stick handling, you know, we can all remember, you know, Ovechkin falling down and scoring the goal, you know, but that was really unlike anything I could really remember seeing anytime recently.
0: Well, first, First of all i'm glad that you have seen the light and uh, call that the goal of the year so far it I is i'm sorry <laughs> sorry sonny milano but uh, <laughs> that's the goal of the year so far and you're right it, it it's it's the whole package it reminded me of in the movie tombstone when he said you ever seen anything like that and he said no i've never even heard of anything <laughs> like that and cur- neither had curvy doc clearly because Doc is trying to just sort of stay with Kale McCarr, assuming that he's going to the point. Kael McCarr sees that he's doing that. Once Doc commits, then he spits down the boards and goes towards the net and then beats a Stanley Cup champion uh, multiple... <laughs> just a, a, a surefire Hall of Famer and Marc-Andre Fleury with a move that, again, I mean, just only the brain of Kale McCarr could cook up. And to answer your question, did I lose it? Yes. The engineer <laughs> in the booth at the time, Bill Karambellis, I looked over and he's wide-eyed and like clutching the side of the booth like what are you, what is wrong with you you weirdo but i mean kevin weeks was calling the game for espn that night as well and him and i had very similar reactions uh, physically it's something that'll bring you out of your chair oh. and um that's the effect that Kale McCarr can really have uh in on any given moment inside a game.
1: Yeah. No, I mean it's it's fun to watch and you know, you love seeing moments like that and just things that really stand out above the rest. And again, I'm not trying to speak ill of any other great goals that I've seen this year, but that one, like you said, like there's a yeah. I see that goal and there's a visceral reaction in me that transcends yes. my my role as a sports broadcaster. <laughs> any of that. It's just like that's like the fan. It's like, oh my God, what on earth yeah. was that? Um, exactly. But you know, let's Let's talk about this this matchup tonight. You know, the Sharks despite their record, you know, I feel like they give teams usually a pretty decent battle and especially upper echelon teams Uh, In the NHL, they've had some good, you know, they've beaten the Panthers, they've had good games against Florida, you know, they uh, went to overtime against uh, Tampa a couple weeks ago. Um, You know, they usually do a pretty good job against upper echelon teams, and I think maybe that's because, you know, teams are looking at the record and thinking, oh, they can't be that good. Um, You know, what do you expect to see here tonight?
0: I I think the Avalanche have run into a lot of that lately, because uh, they struggled with Arizona this year, that season series is complete, but Um, They they lose twice to the Coyotes, um, and that was sort of before they've gone on this goal-scoring run. But um, they had to go to overtime with Montreal Canadiens. And so I think there's a lot um, from from any team, really. Um, And this is with any sport, Ted, as you know, that if you are playing the best, you want to give them your best. And despite records and despite points and anything like that, there are no bad teams in the National Hockey League. Uh, every night is a challenge, and any player will tell you that. And even though the Sharks are 10 points out of a playoff spot, um, it, it, I can't believe it's the first time in their history that they'll go three straight years without making it. Yeah. Um, if that is the case, I mean this roster is still, uh, is still very, very good. A good blend of today and tomorrow, and they have always given Colorado a hard time and you don't have to look any further than the seven game series back in 2019. Um, but being in the same division last year, sort of, uh, you know, cultivated some familiarity and, and that allows you to, to bring your best even more. So I, I expect this one to be, to be very tight tonight to between San Jose and the
1: Ads. What can you tell me about the acquisitions of uh, Sturm and Manson and how those were viewed?
0: Uh, I, I think they're they're both very, very good. It, going back to the playoff conversation last year in the second round versus Vegas, Colorado wins the first two games, but they sort of get out muscle in the last four that they lost. Lost four in a row after that. Um, so with Josh Manson, as you know in the Pacific Division, um, he brings some size. Uh, he, in his first game with Colorado versus the Kings the other night, he ties a career high with 10 hits, <laughs> which is more than any other abs player has had this season. Um, and so that's the type of thing you're talking about. You're talking about a big body who can dig the puck out of the corner and then start the transition the other way. So uh, that's exactly, I think, what Colorado needs on the back end. And then with Nico Sturm, I, I think he was described as sort of a forward version of Josh Manson, Also 6'3", also 210 pounds. So, again, we talked about the Avalanche gearing up to to play playoff hockey. I think that these moves are exactly that because there's not a ton of room at open ice. There's a lot of, you know, getting to the red line, dumping it in and having to, to dig it out and go to work. So I think that both of these acquisitions are trying to make this roster suited for playoff hockey.
1: Now, I know what the expectations are from the fan base. For this team, I, you know, I, I I go to their subreddit a lot. I check out all the different hockey subs on Reddit and I read social media and, you know, there is an air of an or bust mentality. Um, Is that, I mean, is that how you get a vibe from the players is, I mean, Jared Bednar is so cool. I don't think he would ever put it that way, but I mean, he's also, (laughs) he's, you know, he's aware, he knows exactly the type of talent he's working with. He knows the opportunity he has.
0: And he's won at every level that he's coached at. Uh, Won the Kelly Cup, the East Coast League, Calder Cup in the A. And uh, you know he's taken teams from the basement to the promised land on many occasions. And it's all about learning lessons. What did they learn in the series versus the Sharks in 2019? Uh, Despite the injuries, uh, nine starters, including both your goaltenders. uh, What did you learn about? Uh, the second round series again versus the Dallas stars in the bubble at Edmonton in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, We just talked about the Vegas series. So all these things build and build and build. And I think that's why Colorado has, has really uh, remembered how it feels to lose. And they don't want to feel like that ever again. And when you're the, the favorite and a lot of people, they are when you're the number one team in the national hockey league, maybe on your way to winning back-to-back president's trophies, the pressure is there mm-hmm. and you've gone from being the underdog and learning how to win against better clubs to being the hunted and i think that that was a transition that's happened over the past couple of years and i think the team relishes the fact that they're the team to beat now in the nhl
1: but have they led on in any capacity that they don't like being the favorite or do they or not necessarily the favorite but knowing that there is that viewpoint about them or do they not even acknowledge it that there is that a lot of people view it as like not, I mean, I, I hate the or bust mentality as a um, as a negative because, I mean, come on. That's what every NHL player yeah. probably views it as. But it's different when it's placed upon you from external pressures versus internal pressures.
0: Sure. And I think that there's – I would make the argument there's more pressure internally than mm-hmm. there is externally um, for a myriad of reasons. So, um, And I think that's the case in a lot of locker rooms too because unlike you and me, nobody – on the inside reads a lot of that stuff, but they do, (laughs) they do, they do remember um, what happened during every shift inside a playoff series, Mm -hmm. especially the ones that you lose. And so you correct those mistakes and the enormous pressure that they put on themselves to perform well and on their team to win, um, I think is greater than any pressure that we can put on as, as employees, broadcasters or fans.
1: Well, Connor, man, I appreciate your time as always. Have a great broadcast tonight, and I look forward to seeing you out of the tank. All right.
0: Sounds good, Ted. Good to talk to you.
1: Again, that was Connor McGahey, the radio play by play voice of the ABS, joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network as we get you ready for game time. And just as a reminder, the Sharks are going to be back at it on Sunday afternoon at 4, hosting the Coyotes from the Tank. So the Sharks. Uh, a busy week as they played on Tuesday night. They played Thursday, now tonight, Friday, and then they're back at it on Sunday before they go out on the road on the 22nd to Calgary to take on the Flames. And then on the 24th, they are going to be in Edmonton taking on the Oilers. Saturday night, the 26th, they are going to be hosting the Ducks. And then on the 30th, they are going to be in Arizona taking on the Coyotes. So the schedule was some Sundays and some Wednesdays in there. Things uh, getting a little bit different between now and the end of the month. But the Sharks, uh, they want to finish the season strong. And obviously things... Not looking great right now in terms of the playoff chase, but you know everything can change in a couple of games. We all know that, A. And B, it gives you more opportunity to evaluate what you're going to be looking at going forward. And that's one of the things that I consistently look at with the Sharks is what exactly are they going to be able to do to give themselves a chance to return to the top and to do that sooner rather than later. And a big part of that is the evaluation of these players that's going on in the here and now by the Sharks front office, everybody that's young everybody that's a veteran um, you know, and as Joe will said the other day, they are a team of listeners. When other teams come knocking, as we get closer and closer to the deadline, um, you, the sharks, they listen at the very least. So there might be changes. There might be moves. There might be nothing. We don't really know what's going to happen at this point, uh, but it is something to pay attention to as we do get closer and closer, a to the deadline and b towards the later stages of the season. Now, the Sharks, I think you have to look at what you've gotten this year in terms of the positive. That's a complete turnaround in terms of your net-minding situation, A. And B, you've got two foundational pieces in Tomasz Hurdle and Timo Meyer playing their best hockey. And that speaks well of what the team is doing now and what it could be doing in the future. So again, very exciting stuff for me in terms of where the Sharks have been and where they are going to be going. And yes, it's it's not quite there yet. But with the acquisition of a guy like Hurdle and locking, not acquisition, but the, uh, the locking him up long term, I should say, that gives you a good idea of where this team views things, how far off they think they are the lack of a teardown to make things bad for multiple years. I don't think that's what this team needs to do, and I think that's the way the front office views it as well. And I'm excited to see this turnaround. I'm excited to see what the Sharks can do heading into the deadline, heading into the offseason, and getting things ramped up for the next couple of years as well. Remember to join us. Pre-game coverage starts at 7 tonight on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.